Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week on the first Wednesday of the Olympic Games. And on this week's show, the Multi-Tool of Sports Podcasts, we get into, well, the Olympics, of course, because uh, Tokyo 2020 slash 21 is well underway. The medals are pouring in all over the place and there's been some incredible action so far and we haven't even got to the athletics yet. So join me, Dan, with Simon and Ben on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Hi, Simon. Ben, how are you? Uh, good evening, all. Uh, tremendous. Absolutely yeah. tremendous. How are you guys? Si, how are you doing? Good evening, gentlemen. How are we? It's a you wonderful almost day. sound thrilled to be here, Si. I am. I'm <laughs> turning to Lurch from the Adams family. <laughs> We've been watching Game of Thrones again recently, and you sound a bit like... Um, three-eyed raven you know when he gets into that sort of stage season five season six when he starts talking really monotone all the time let's not talk about game of thrones just a disappointment (laughs) oh fantastic it's it's arguably better the second time round. actually disappointing it's a disappointing series we're not here to talk about uh, Game of Thrones. We are, of course, here to talk about sports. If you want to join us on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us at Wednesday Pod. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends, share the love, tell people what you're listening to, uh, if you like it, that is. Um, right. So, Simon, um, you're going to actually kick us off with some non-Olympic news uh, because there's you know, other things going on, of course. What have you got for us? So yeah, you're right, Dan. I, I think we have to we have to start other Olympics because we're just going to deep dive into that Olympic Games, and it's going to be difficult for us ever to extradite ourselves. So, um, basketball. So we talked last week about the final, potentially the final game in the NBA playoffs. Uh, was the final game in the NBA playoffs, and the Milwaukee Bucks are now the, uh, the I would say the world champions, which for some reason the Americans tend to say for all their sports, the American champions. Uh, yeah, they they won pretty easy in the end, um, hundred and five to ninety eight to win four two overall. So, yeah, I mean they won four games straight and ultimately deserved it in the end. Really, they played brilliantly in the in, in the four games, you know, preceding their two losses to start it, and a really good team to to play with. And it kind of validates Yanis Antetokounmpo's decision to stay with the team, which at one point was possibly uh, unlikely because. Uh, he was getting a bit fed up with uh, losing in semi-finals of the Eastern Conference, so yeah, he managed to get the whole way and win the whole competition. So um, an awesome, you know, bit of news, and um, you know, good for a team that hasn't won it before to win it, which I think is always a very interesting and a nice thing to see, rather than the same old, same old win every time. Yeah, you don't see that often in sporting uh, leagues, do you? Uh, mm. New teams winning things like you know, it's arguably we. We'd not see that in Formula One, for example. You know, you don't often see it in the Premier League. It was once in the blue moon. Um, it's nice would, to see. I would <clears throat> question that in Formula One, uh, Red Bull dominated, um, and they're a very, very new team. Um, so I think Braun as well. So it happens, yeah, but then it becomes a bit of a dynasty, doesn't it? Money does pay, obviously. Yeah. But uh, they talk about uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the the, the legend uh, from Greece. Is it? Did just you just him? call him Janis? Giannis, Giannis, like like the character from the Friends, Giannis. <laughs> Chandler oh Bing. 
<laughs> wow, you nailed it. That was absolutely that was good, spot right? on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why is it just him? American sports seem to have this affinity with having one player, one shining light in their team, and the rest are just there to support the the star role. Is that is that just American sports, or is 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 there a reason Antetokounmpo is the one that's parading, the one that's on all the the social media feed and, uh, and things like that? I mean. Uh... Kind of, but everyone needs a poster boy. But I mean, he is their their best player by a country mile, really. Um, and and maybe that's the thing in American sports where stars are kind of spruced around the league. I mean, yes, you do get the odd super team, but you know you do have a lot of really good players playing on teams with less good players around them. So I suppose there's always going to be a poster child. He's an amazing player. You know, he's definitely I'd probably say top five in the league. Uh, won back to back MVPs a couple of years ago. So I mean, he's a quality player. Um, still very young as well. I think people realise he's still in his twenties. He's not. I feel like he's been around for years and years and years and years and years. But I mean, he's still in his twenties, and in theory, could get even better. Um, to be honest, though, through some of the playoff final against the Suns, he wasn't even the best player. Chris Middleton was their best player for parts of it. Yanis uh, coming off an injury, he was playing really well, scoring points. But Chris Middleton was hitting some really clutch buckets and playing some really good basketball. So uh, you know, Yanis had to have a little bit of help, and that's probably the reason he stayed because they got in Drew Holiday at the start of the year as well to kind of give them another weapon. And yeah, they've they've managed to do it. But yeah, I mean, Yanis is their poster boy, and and forever will be until he either leaves or retires. I think we found the sound bite for the show. Simon saying clutch buckets. Clutch buckets. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so, quick one on that one. Uh, final word on that. As a betting man, what were the odds on, on the books coming through? Um, in the last game, I, I don't know the exact odds, but they no, were as heavy. In, if, you, if you put on a bet oh. at the beginning of the season. Oh, well, I mean, I'm glad you're asking me right now, Dan, instead of giving me any heads up as to actually have any idea about it. Maybe like a year ago. Um, well, based on your, your experience, what, what do you, I do you reckon they might have been at? they were probably, um, you know, Brooklyn and Lakers and a few others may have been ahead of them. You know, they're probably a five or six, uh, fifth or six favourites, you know, something along that region. Um, you know, maybe four favourites. So you'd got okay. a half decent price but you wouldn't have you know you wouldn't have won like wonder bucks still really. fairly high though still fairly yeah. high yeah, yeah of you, you wouldn't be looking at the kind of 5000 to 1 Leicester city no. trial <laughs> 2016 but you um uh they probably would have been they could they be as long as 50 to 1 i don't know uh, american betting's a bit different isn't it uh, si? uh you probably i would say completely off the top of my head and obviously there's so many games to be played and so many rounds and everything and always the best teams tend to end up playing the best teams later on. So it's very difficult to be. I mean, you're probably looking about, what, 15, 16 to 1, something like that, maybe at the start of the year. Maybe upwards is 20 to 1 if you had a generous bookmaker, but nothing more than that. Not with the stacked team that they had. So uh, talking about player movement and the beginning of season's odds, uh, there's a lot of movement in football, of course, domestic football, with transfers. Si. You've got something you want to chat about maybe with Ben on that. Well, uh, I think Ben wants to talk more about the transfer element of it. I want to rant about the rumour mill and the, uh, you know, the shit reporting, quite frankly, from large numbers of newspaper outlets and, um, you know, those wannabe scouts and legends of clubs that say things like Sean Gota saying that, oh, your Jack Grealish deal is done. And then the Daily <laughs> Mail saying, oh, yeah, yeah. Sean Gota says the Daily Mail, uh, said the Daily Mail, says the, um, the, the, the deal's done and Jack Grealish is coming. 
why would Sean Gota know if Jack Grealish? He's not exactly privy to the boardroom. So it's that sort of stuff that just really winds me up. Apparently, Harry Kane's been telling people he's going to be leaving at a family barbecue. I mean, let's be honest. Can we just either, you know, get around to some solid reporting or just not bother? I mean, it's just quite tiresome. And it um, maybe it's because it's my best player, my best player, Aston Villa's best player, you know, potentially leaving the club. But yeah, it just starts to get my wick a little bit. I saw Jack Grealish in a Man City shirt Photoshop today and it made me feel sick. Jack, if you're watching, don't go. Um, made me feel absolutely sick. Uh, yeah, so it, it just gets, you know, Football Insider and um, all the other kind of knockoff crappy websites that make up <laughs> shit and then claim that it's facts. Um, you know, and bringing out amazing pundits like Noel Whelan, who played about four games for Le- Leeds United. I mean, yeah, come on, guys. Let's, let's get this under control a little bit. It's just a bit naff, isn't it? And, you know, just stop talking about Jack Grealish, quite frankly. It sounds more personal than... than Yeah, this is where I was going. It's it's probably not new, this kind of behaviour, is it? No, it's not new, no. It's been going on since I can remember. But yeah, he talks about Jack Grealish, my own, my precious. Um, (laughs) I think... (laughs) I'll say this now. I don't don't want to start a a podcast war, but Manchester City don't need Grealish. They have... um, five players as good if not better uh world-class football players at the peak of their game playing in champions league finals this is a team that can have uh, bernardo silva mares and rodri on the bench and still be fielding de bruyne fernandinho um torres i mean they've just got this incredible squad it's unbelievable Kane, though, looks very likely, Si. I don't think mm. that is a rumour. and a, uh, Whether it was a friend's garden party or whatever, it looks like Dan Levy is uh, resigned to losing his star man. And £160 million for an injury-prone striker, I'd be snapping their hands off. Would you mm. not? Yeah, I mean, yes, you can say that. I mean, he is. he did get the goals and assists... Um, titles last year you know for a team that finished what seventh were they seventh in the end they managed to crawl up to sixth maybe and so you know you don't look at it with any sort of hope and the thing is even if you sell a player who's slightly injury prone or whatever or has some issues in one way or another it's very hard to get another one I mean I don't think they could get another Harry Kane I don't think there's another Harry Kane out there without spending similar money to what you would be getting to spend on Harry Kane so for Tottenham, I think they're just trying to hold on to whatever, you know, good player they can. Um, the problem as well is I think Tottenham have always lived off the fact in recent years anyway that they have money. Obviously, they're in London. But also, you know, if you go to Tottenham, you play with Harry Kane. And if they lose that, you're going to get a lot of guys going, oh, who the hell am I going to, you know, who am I playing with? It's, you know, particularly wetting my appetite. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think I'd be a little bit more, uh, you know, I'd be nervous if I was Tottenham, even selling 160 million, because I, I just think, I don't think, and I wouldn't have confidence with Daniel Levy that that money's going to get put back into the squad. They've got to pay for no. a stadium. And they're paying for a stadium. The stadium is going to host the NFL games. It will very, very quickly recoup that money. Um, obviously, if the World Cup bid 2030 went well, we would have obviously got that. As a, they would have been used in that venue for sure uh, for some games. That, I don't know. They are going to recoup money on that stadium, but it is a billion-pound stadium. Um, they've just signed Sun onto a huge contract. Hmm. 
So uh, it makes me feel that that's, that's going to be their new star man. I think they are resigned to losing Harry Kane. I think they can replace him. Um, but it looks it looks phenomenal. I mean, I don't want to dive take some transfers off you now, but we're looking at possibilities of Sancho to Man United, Haaland to Chelsea, um, Kane to City. What I mean, come on, the Premier League is just spending all of that TV cash. Yeah, I, I don't see Haaland happening. I have to be honest. I think it's a year too early. Um, I just don't see anyone spending the money that they need. Even he's come out today and started talking about the fact that you know it's something like it. 180 million euros or whatever is a lot of money so yeah i think i think even he's surprised by the the figures that have been quoted by bruce dortmund so um i don't see him going this year maybe next year um unless you know something changes or or german finances of you know teams like dortmund maybe isn't as good as we think and maybe they have to but i can't see him going this year um, I don't see how Chelsea managed to spend it as well because they've got all these other players. They've got Timo Werner, they've got these other players that are going to try and fit in. Or is one of those guys going? Yeah, I, I talked to a um, talked to a friend of mine, a uh, German, uh, lives in uh, Munich, and um, the basically that country is an incredible country to live in. And I think British people who watch the Premier League they think, well, he's he's playing at Borussia Dortmund. Surely he's going to want to come to play in at London. Well, he lives in an incredible place, an mm. incredible club, club with incredible fan base, um, in a great progressing league. Why would he want to leave straight away? He's only young. He's still proven himself. He gets to play Champions League football guaranteed every year. And Chelsea aren't guaranteed Premier, uh, Champions League football next year. The, the top of the Premier League is stacked. Liverpool have got Van Dijk and Gomez coming back. Canate looks like a beast. You've got teams below trying to push through. Rodgers is doing a quality job there at Leicester. United are spending... All of the money, it seems. I mean, what do you think of the Varane deal? It was confirmed today, forty-one million, I believe. That's a, um, so that's actually been definitely confirmed, has it? One hundred percent. Yeah, wow. he'll be unveiled uh, medical tomorrow. That's a snip. I, I think he was coming to the end of his contract. Yeah, wasn't he? he didn't have long left, so they had to cut bait and run. And, and like we talked about in our ESL episode, go back into the archives, everyone. I, I beg you. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we talked about Real Madrid and Barcelona, Spanish footballs probable and, and 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 very palpable debts you know you, i think you said a, a billion dollars or a billion pounds that one of them was in debt so it doesn't surprise me but maybe they're trying to take money but you know for a player of Varane's quality uh i know maybe he's older than we think he is now but he's still a very good player isn't he and um you know 41 million is a bit of a snip yeah, there was talk in the, the Spanish media that he had a fairly poor season. Um, mm. So I think that f- maybe didn't force the hand. But, you know, the year before a contract out, 41 million seems like a, a steal, but it's a lot of money for someone who would have gone free next year. So Real Madrid know they can't risk losing 40 million. That's how mm. poor Real Madrid are right now. Yeah. An old Real Madrid would have kept him for a year to make sure Man United don't sign him. We saw it happen with Sergio Ramos for a decade. Mm. So the Spanish clubs are are definitely um, in turmoil right now, uh, and obviously we've seen with Barcelona to add on to the back of that that Lionel Messi took finally took a pay cut. I mm. believe he's now only getting paid a billion dollars a year. So, um, <laughs> oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah. He's. We should he's start gonna, a GoFundMe. Well, we should start something for the best player in the history of the game. Maybe he can pay his taxes now. Um, uh, 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 settle down, settle down. Come on, the guy's got to eat. The guy's got to eat. Not get, not get um, crazy. All right, let's move away from real world transfer. Ben, you've got some news for us in fantasy land. Now I am 
very excited about football again. It took me about a week after the Euros to settle down and realize that I do love football and I just cannot wait for it to come back again. <laughs> We're two weeks out, I think, from the new season, <laughs> which is actually Crazy. insane. Um, the um, friendlies are all ongoing. The training camps in these beautiful, far-flung destinations are ongoing, and it's brilliant to see what teams, what business, different teams are doing. But that business transfers to the fantasy world, as we all play every single year. The fantasy Premier League. Last year, I think they topped out at seven and a half million teams on there. It's a free game, wow. absolutely phenomenal fantasy. Uh, we obviously have our own last Wednesday of the week fantasy league live Yay. and kicking now i'm going to um put the code and the details on our twitter page uh the code uh is gcf 7bw so it's not a good one to listen audibly but yeah uh we will uh put that we'll put on it in the, the show notes as well yeah show notes and twitter get people on that all of our listeners quad uh, continental listeners um this is where people listening get to see actually how many people listen to the show and also actually how much we know about the thing we talk about um <laughs> i have some fantasy pred pedigree i'm going to be honest i have finished in the top million uh more than once uh, well, uh, wow i mean i don't know what to say to that i uh we can't we can't top that uh, well, if you think you can, then find out the details for the Fantasy League in the show notes and on Twitter at WednesdayPod. Uh, thank you for that, Ben and Sai. Okay, let's 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 head into let's dive into the main event. Of course, the Olympics. They kicked off in absolute style uh, last week and we are um you know several days into this tournament now and it has given us so much already and we're going to get into a number of the key stories that have kept us uh, excited and intrigued um uh, but i'd like to start uh, way back at the beginning with the opening ceremony um ben i know you caught some of it sai i know you weren't able to catch uh, catch all of it um but there's one bit in particular I mean, the whole thing was phenomenal. Uh, and then there was the like 17 hour parade of 206 countries as they all march in. You know, you've got the big, you know, America turn up and it's like half a stadium full of people. And then you've got, you know, another country turns up. And it's like one person representing, but it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing. Um, but the standout moment for me was the reveal of the pictograms. Now, the pictograms, for those that don't know, are the little symbols that tell you what the sport is. So they're like a little round disc um, that has a sort of um, graphic representation of diving or horse riding or mountain biking or whatever it is. Um, now, they introduced them in such spectacular fashion. So every four years, the host country designs their own uh, for the games based on the branding for the for the games. And so they had a person or a series of three people um, act out each pictogram um like one after the other just beat 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 like that it was it was phenomenal the the choreography and the planning and they only dropped one uh they did they dropped uh, the was tennis. it a hockey stick oh is it tennis, it tennis. Yeah. Um, it was unbelievable i've told so many people about the pictograms <laughs> yeah. over the last week and just we have a well listen i've been saying they they moved around one was an archery they had a bow that changed and it was like a, a swimmer and then they they paused for each uh 50 uh pictograms yeah. 
I think it was beautiful. It showed uh, what we perceive that Japanese execution. Um, I think the whole show was stunning for yeah. uh, for a lack of you know fit sixty five thousand people in there, um, and it still felt like a it still felt like a show. It still felt like the start of the Olympics, you know. Uh, and before you, you dive in there, Dan, I'm going to go back. Is we've talked probably for the last two three months about the Olympics. Will it go ahead? Will it not? What is it going to be like? It's like any other Olympics, minus the crowd. The, yeah. the the talent on show is worth the the um, the ticket price. Or not in this case alone. It's unbelievable <laughs> what we've been seeing. Yeah, there's been a handful TV of license. moments. So, <laughs> yeah, TV rights. I mean, there's there's been a handful of moments where you think, oh, crowd crowd makes that crowd adds. But to be fair, not many. Not many, and that that's testament to the sporting spectacle that is happening. So, I mean, I think that's going to be more obvious when we get to the athletics. I think when you get yeah. the stadiums, you know, the four hundred meters, the hundred meters, whatever. I think that's going to be much more to hear kind of crickets or you know coaches yelling rather than you know gigantic crowds of people i think that will be a bit more obvious but yeah i agree i mean to a certain extent things like the diving and and um archery and stuff like that i don't have like gigantic crowds anyway so it hasn't mm. felt much different so um i am enjoying i'm enjoying the coverage um i think the presenters the the experts are all doing a fantastic job of, of filling the silences that maybe um you know would have been covered by crowd shots and stuff like that a little bit um also, I mean, they're doing a fantastic job of showing uh, show today in the diving. I don't know if you saw in the women's diving uh, today, uh, the synchronized diving, um, with the Japanese competitors bursting into tears after they, they mucked up their final dive. And I think it just showed the sheer agony um, that these athletes go through. You know, it, you see the, the happiness of someone winning a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal, mm. but you know, just the sheer disappointment at just one dive ruin their chance of getting a medal in their own home tournament. And I think it was never more palpable in that than in that moment. Yeah. And um, we'll, we'll circle around many different sports here. Um, and, and there's a lot of sports happening, all, largely all at the same time. And despite BBC's seemingly best efforts to try and obfuscate it and make it difficult to find <laughs> something to watch. Um, you can pretty much watch something all day long, even uh, on catch up. So Ben, let's let's take it back to um, the beginning of this week because Mondays are difficult days for many people. Uh, obviously, a large part of our nation, not all, work Monday to Friday, nine to five, and Mondays are like dreary days. But the nation got lifted, didn't it? The nation ben. did get lifted, and uh, I think it always gets lifted with uh, alliteration. Um, I think <laughs> ever since the uh, Henman Hill of the 90s, I realized that this country has this crazy affinity for naming things. Uh, and yeah, uh, Manic Monday, Magic Monday. Which was, was it? Was it was magic. I think they called it Magic Monday. And wasn't it? it was magic. it Rio? Was it Super Sunday? Did we have a Super Sunday? Super Sunday in Rio. Uh, that. We also football. had a. Uh, we had a um, uh, was it a sensational Sunday when um, Kelly Holmes won the the gold? Yeah. Listen, I mean, we just we just love it. Um, we are. Uh, 
I'm going to go back a couple of bits there. First and foremost, you mentioned the BBC. The BBC coverage has been poor at times, and that's very rare for me to say. Um, I'm mm-hmm. usually a massive fan, but it's actually been hard to find the various sports and the things that yes. I want to watch. I want to watch live sport. I'm not partisan to the point where I just want to hear about the British success, and I do. I want to see the yellow. I want to see, I want to see the silver. I want to see the bronze, gold, all that jazz. And we'll talk about that, especially the the uh, the Monday. But I also want to see the incredible athletes. I want to see the whole gymnastic rotations. I want to see all the other rugby sevens. I want to see all the other taekwondo fights. And the BBC has made it quite difficult to find that side. Yeah, I mean, do we think a little bit that has to do with the time difference? I, For me personally, I mean, I'm at work during the normal hours of the day. So... By the time I, I, you know, by the time I wake up, obviously half of the events have already uh, finished, and then by the time I finish work, it's just a highlight show at the end of the day. Obviously, it's a it's a late night there, so um, I think for me that's been a bit of a killer. I mean, you're you're always going to have a situation where uh, it's not always going to be favourable to your own market. I mean, you know, if it's in America, it's still going to be six hours or five hours difference, and seven hours difference depending on, on when it is so but yeah for me i think it's been a real tough one um real tough one to follow um and you know you, you tend to find out the results of certain um events and then later on in the day you've got the chance to watch it and it kind of loses a little bit of its surprise factor for me yeah yeah and i i think we're technically in a really it sort of potentially highlights an awkward transition phase around the bbc because of course in rio the red button access you could just go and pick a sport through that and and uh so it's entirely possible that this it just doesn't gel with where they're at digitally at the moment in the space they're in um but Nonetheless, um, let's get back to uh, the, the good news stories around the Olympics because there are some fantastic stories. Let's start with Magic Monday. Uh, ben, tell, tell us what happened and, and what you managed to catch. Well, Magic Monday, first and foremost, Tom Daly won gold in the diving. Um, it was absolutely incredible. This is a guy who's had four Olympics. Um, he's won bronze twice before, um, and this time he won the... Um, uh, the duo, so it was the um, like the double the double jumping, uh, synchronized ten meter platform, I think, or something like that. Um, and his partner Matty Lee shouldn't obviously forget his partner, um, who uh, were impeccable. They did the hardest dive in the world. They absolutely nailed it. They 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 delivered it flawlessly. When they dive in from a ten meter platform, oh. and you see this little penny worth of splashing water yeah. uh, come out. Um, and the Chinese went after, delivered an incredible dive, and we beat we beat the best uh, doing a good routine. So it wasn't like we got lucky. They deserved the gold. Absolutely and it's worth noting dominated. that it was Lee's, Lee's first attempt as well. Yeah. So he's got attempt, a great so partner there. Probably the first of uh, many uh, future Olympics for him, if he can carry on, emulate what Daly's done and go to four Olympics. Also, for a lot of these Olympians, it's something we'll touch on. It's only three years to the next Olympics. Yes. A lot of these guys that are 22, 23, 24 – it's not the end. They're not going to be in the late twenties. It's only three years, which for an Olympic athlete is is massive change, uh, is a massive chance uh, for them. And I think that goes into the taekwondo as well, which we've seen a lot of. And again, which we won medals in on Monday, um, where the people they've had, sort of the ones who've had difficult run-ins, we'll speak about them in a bit, uh, but they've maybe not got the medal they want to have. They only have to wait three years uh, before Paris. So anyway, um, Manic Monday, Magic Monday, uh, uh, PT, Adam PT. Did you see this? 
I, I didn't catch the swimming, no. That's one of the ones, again, like I alluded to, I caught all the headlines but never managed to catch it up. So I okay, did manage so, to catch it. No, I think it was about four in the morning, so I already knew he'd already won when I woke up just that morning. It was one of the <laughs> yeah. first things that yeah, flashed it, up on my phone. Sydney Olympics, where everything was at night and you had to wake up. It was the first Olympic that really, it really caught me, but I used to just sit in front of the TV on my own at like three in the morning watching uh, sporting events. But um, Adam PT won. He's not been beaten in seven years, so it was hardly a surprise. He has the 16 fastest times in history, so again. But he still had to deliver. He still had to get to the final and deliver, and there's been some incredible success in the pool since. Um, but that was one of the other goals on Magic Monday and... I want to say Piddock, my days, I did not write this down. Our mount- Dan? mountain biking, yes. Yes, I thought you were going to call me a pillock. A bit of a uh, well, I mean, yes, <laughs> but also, yes. Uh, in mountain biking, which I believe was kind of a surprise, but he absolutely destroyed the field. He demolished demolished his, component, uh, his competitors. Um, it was wonderful, wonderful to see. So that was the three goals. There was another couple of silvers on there, but does anyone care about silvers and bronze? Yeah, oh, of course they do. Incredible. Everyone's important. I'm joking. I'm joking. Just seeing where you're at. We like <laughs> so far. Piers we've, Morgan. We, <laughs> we've had. Oh God, I hate that man. Uh, so we have had uh, more. We've got more medals at this point in the games than we ever have in the history of Great Britain Team GB. So what a great start! Isn't that amazing? And um, Sai, you want to come in there? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of just ask Ben a quick question because uh, I think it was it last week or the week before we you predicted what was it nine golds you predicted um, for GB to win? Do we think that might be a, a very modest return actually now and looking at how well we've started and how how good a haul we've had uh, and with some of our competitors still to go? Do we do we think we might be able to better that total? Yeah, I think we'll absolutely smash that total. Um, I was, what, what do they say? Under promise, over deliver. That's what I did last mm. week. Wow, that's the first time you've taken <laughs> your own advice as well. Excellent work, Ben. I think, um, yeah, and if anything, we've learned so far in just the short, uh, short few days we've had that the games can throw up some big surprises. We've had big names go out in tennis, had big names go out in the gymnastics, and um, you know we, we're seeing some exciting action across the heat. Uh, the year on top of their training. So there's a lot to play for. I think there's a lot of stories left to be had in these games. Ben, let's come back to Taekwondo because I think it was one of those sports. There's always a sort of sport that seems to grip the nation a little bit. And I think Taekwondo seems to be that sport at the moment. There's a bit of a narrative around that. And that's largely because we've got some great talent in there, of course. Um, what, what have you seen today? Well, Taekwondo for... 1200 days i don't say or hear the word and then when the olympics comes around suddenly i'm a taekwondo expert <laughs> i'm a fan i'm talking about uh gamjangs and cards and kicks and punches and and uh, head kicks and penalties and all this jazz um it's gripping like <laughs> it is just gripping television You've got um, two three-minute rounds, I believe. Man, I might be getting all this wrong, by the way. Um, and you are trying to kick. You've got pressure um, sensors on your socks. And so you're trying to kick a stomach and kick a head. You get more points for a head, less for a stomach, and you can also punch a stomach. But it's brilliant. It's constant fighting. And the, the, the matches can swing in a second. So oh, you can have quick. someone yeah. five, six, seven points ahead. Uh, and suddenly um, it's turned around. And sadly, we've seen that happen a couple of times 
for our Team GB girls. Um, but wow, I mean, some of the stories are incredible. Uh, one of the best uh, for me was Lauren Williams. She's kind of captured the nation a bit. Um, and she lost the gold medal match to uh, Yelich, um, who I think is one of the best in the world. And she lost it in the last few seconds. The game turned around. She had a slight edge, a slight lead. Um, but she's, she's, yeah, she's kind of captured the nation and, and there's been a lot of talk about her. And rightly so. She's got a silver medal. She's had a difficult run, massive injuries, massive family problems. She's uh, lived in a caravan with her mum for two years in Manchester training. The dedication, the sacrifice um, it's taken, it takes to create an Olympian um, is really evident in her and she speaks really well. Um, and in three years' time, I, I just see her going one better. Um, she was very disappointed with Silver, which I like to see. I love seeing British talent disappointed with a silver, a silver medal at Olympics, which is yeah. unbelievable. That's incredible, and it's it's a great story. And and Taekwondo is one of those one I, listeners to the show will know that I don't particularly have an interest in in fighting sports. I don't like boxing, don't like um, MMA and things like that. It's just it never interests me. But Taekwondo has me absolutely gripped because it's so technical. And uh, I was watching it with my three year old the other day, and he kept asking me, pointing at the screen, and goes, "Why why are they angry?" Why are they angry? I'm like, oh, well, they're fighting. That's kind of like what they do. And no, no, no. Why are they angry? And I realized he was pointing at the referee. And he, was wondering, <laughs> he wasn't wondering why the fighting people were angry. He was wondering why the referee was so angry. But it was the really formal kind of command uh, way that they separate them and lift their arm up and the kind of formal process of handing a card over for the, the video uh, review. And it's, it's a remarkable watch. It's very technical. And uh, the discipline and skill on, on display is, is phenomenal, let alone the, the grit and determination of, of the people that are doing it. It's, it's great to watch. Um, Sorry, sorry. Um, sorry to butt in there. Um, so also, um, we obviously seem to have like a great crop of talent in Taekwondo. It just seems like a very bizarre, un-British sport to be good at. It's not sailing. It's not um, rowing. So it's it's crazy. But I think it's fantastic as well that we are, you know, so invested in it and it's only going to help the funding of that sport if we do well at the Olympics. So, you know, as well as these uh, men and women can do, it means that hopefully for the future, it will get more funding. I mean, I'd like them to fund British basketball, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. So Taekwondo is a nice second. Yes, yeah, man. you're absolutely right. We are seeing that. We're seeing the fruition of that now, Sai. So Jay Jones won gold in, in, in uh, London and Rio. Um, sadly went out in the first round uh, here but that, that show and, and Lauren Williams actually uh, said that I was watching Jay Jones at the Olympics at Great Britain and now she's sat watching training you know helping me we are seeing that and it, all it takes is a Jay Jones all it takes is a, a Dame Kelly Holmes or something like that to to just capture a whole crop a whole generation of young talent uh, and the yep. UK will fund uh, if we can see medals. I think it's fair to say as well, Taekwondo is probably a lower barrier to entry than sailing uh, and <laughs> rowing <laughs> by some margin. Um, but uh, that's not to and you know, it came up on our uh, chat with Jen and, and Andrew, didn't it, around um, from Tactic Connect around uh, visible pathways. Uh, and that's that's exactly what you described, isn't it? There, okay. Let's move. Let's move sport. Uh, let's move into the pool. Uh, let's or back into the pool because uh, we talked about 
the diving. But let's talk about the swimming. Ben, you've got a couple you want to bring up on that. You've got Team G, but also Australian swimming coach. Yeah, so instant overlap. <clears throat> we shouldn't be talking about the coach because obviously the athlete is the one that we're going to talk about. And we are going to talk about the legendary uh, Ariana Titmus, the Australian. She beat uh, Katie Ledecky in the 800 meters. They BBC sold it as a surprise win. It wasn't a surprise win. You've got the world record holder against Katie Ledecky, who's unbelievable, multiple uh, Olympic champion. But she's been focusing on the 1500 meters. So it it, it was an incredible fight, incredible race. You basically have two talents that are miles away of everyone else. Coming in third or fourth place was a 14-year-old from Canada, funny enough. Anyway, I digress. Her coach, Ariane Titmus, when she won this close 800-meter, um, that's a 16-lap freestyle of the pool, absolutely energy-sapping speed, endurance, incredible to watch. He went mental. He was fist, uh, punching the air, shaking the, the rail, and he's, he's become an overnight gif. You can actually get him on any phone anywhere now as a GIF. <laughs> I don't know what you type in. You either type in Aussie or excited or coach. I don't know what it is, but um, it was really great to see the passion. We had something similar about uh, seven, nine years ago. I think it was uh, the London Olympics where Chadler Kloss, the South African who beat Michael Phelps, his dad went crazy and then ended up being uh, one of the co-hosts on one of the uh, you know BBC uh, swimming feeds, which was brilliant. Chadler Kloss, legend. Um, so it was fantastic to see that excitement. But we saw excitement with Tom Dean sensationally uh, clinching gold for Team GB ahead of another um, a British athlete as well, um, which is fantastic. We actually secured a one-two, which is just domination. Amazing to see. Um, but I, I watched a video of their family on on Instagram oh, celebrating at three yeah. and a half, half three in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Like Sai says, a crazy hour. Uh, and apparently there was like sixty of them. Um, and they were interviewed them on today on on the BBC show today and said, "Listen, you know, did you wake up the neighbours? Well, we invited the neighbours for that reason. People were <laughs> sleeping over in different cupboards. Just shows the passion and what it means. And that was a brilliant victory. We've got the four by two hundred freestyle finals coming up, I believe, this night and uh, later tonight or maybe tomorrow. Um, so we two of those athletes are in that four. So that quartet have a very good chance of an the gold so my tally of nine gold side well mm. it's in awful. danger miles away apparently we got 67 medals last time so <laughs> who knew <laughs> there you go um okay so um let's 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 move on to dry land for a bit um and you want to talk a bit about the rugby sevens ben yeah, I want to mention the Rugby Sevens briefly. Rugby Sevens, for me, is very similar to Taekwondo. I don't hear anything about it for 1,200 days, then boom, it's my favorite sport. Rugby Sevens is seven people playing rugby on a bloody big pitch. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, it's quite self-explanatory. Uh, it's closer to the kind of rugby union rules, I believe, but some league fans might shout at me for that. Um, but the Fijians are incredible at it, and the Team GB today were 21 nil down to Team USA. Team USA, the fastest team. They've got some sprinters, ex-sprinters on the pitch. Uh, speed's a very important thing for this form of rugby. We're 21 nil down, and we came back and won the game 25-21. This morning, eating my 
Cheerios. I was just, my mind was being blown. It was followed by a game with Argentina, uh, lost a man for, uh, for a, a, a technical foul. He knocked someone out. They managed to win with six men on this big pitch versus seven. Oh my God, there was so much drama this morning. And it's only the Olympics that can provide that such condensed sport over, over, um, over this period. Am I right in thinking that the GB team had a, um, uh, they lost badly to the Fijians as well? Did that happen today? Yeah, yeah, we lost, we lost badly to the Fijians in the group stage. So we, 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 we won the first two matches, um, and the Fijians, it'd be a massive upset if they didn't win. They are, Mm. um, world's best rugby sevens team and it's by some country mile huh. there you go rugby sevens yeah this that, that's the thing about the uh, the olympics not only does it give you these magical moments of getting into sports that you just don't you know get into for another three or well four years normally um, but it also gives you some standout performances as well of people that um actually at time of winning aren't professionally recruited uh, athletes uh, one such of course was in the women's road cycling race ben got anna uh, kiesenhofer who came in gold by i think was it like a five minute margin it was it was a staggering margin um over the, the hot favorites from the netherlands and uh, you know like i say she doesn't have a professional ride i'm sure that will change um, and it, it finished on the glorious Fuji Speedway, um, but incredible result. And we don't see that very often. And the Olympics brings these out, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think all the countries have a certain allocation for each sport. Sometimes they might not be able to find a professional athlete in said allocations. Um, so they will find someone who fits the bill or or will sell some posters or or bring some good finance and funding to the to the club, to the team rather. Um, so yeah, and this was this occasion. Um, she destroyed the field. I think she broke away with... Uh, broke away 30 kilometers i don't know the exact details she broke away and no one caught her up which is i mean it's like things you hear in the tour de france mountains and uh, another the final good news story that i want to share that i i liked which i read about uh, not long before coming on on air actually because um i didn't catch it earlier in the day um before we talk about some of the more hilarious and calamitous stuff uh but that is that uh, with a population of just sixty three thousand people Bermuda is now the smallest nation or territory to win an Olympic gold medal. There you go. Uh, so that's Flora Duffy who mm. won the triathlon. Um, and that's quite a feat. 63,000 people and they can produce a gold medal this early in the game. It's fantastic. Mm. So piggybacking off what you were saying as well, Dan, um, country that's a slightly bigger population, uh, the Philippines, uh, they had their first gold medal today. So Hedilian yeah. Diaz, I believe her name is, she's a female weightlifter, um, won the gold medal. I see that's their first, their country's first ever gold medal. She trained with water bottles because they couldn't afford proper weights. Um, and wow. just an incredible achievement. Uh, she's now been given $480,000 and a house by the government. Why they couldn't have put that money towards funding for their athletes, I don't know. But, you know, a wonderful thing for her um and you know just wow. an amazing achievement for a country that's that's a nice little story like that ben 
his cough. <laughs> He's got a cough. You, you wanted to no. come in with a cough. No, I wanted Brilliant. to come in. I tried to mute. The cough caught me, <laughs> caught me by surprise. I had a joke about funding in the Philippines and realized this isn't a political show. Um, but I wanted to add in there was another uh, wonderful story from a, a Syrian athlete as well. There is always incredible uh, feel-good stories across the Olympics. I want to add, before we fly on to the uh, discussions uh, about the little um, highs and lows and tidbits of the uh, Olympics, I want to say the skateboarding was uh, an overwhelming success. Absolutely. Mm. Perhaps not the male skateboarding because the temperature was obscene, oh, reaching nearly 40 degrees could Celsius. Feel it, couldn't you watch it? Um, you could, and I think it really needed a crowd. Skateboarding needs a crowd. And, and I know you could say that about the rugby sevens and taekwondo and tennis, blah, blah, blah. But skateboarding needs that street feel. It needs that oohs and ahs and pressure. And uh, Niger Houston, who uh, is one of the world's best, if not the world's best, uh, completely shit the bed, uh, was awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Um, terrible on his big tricks, um, and uh, but the 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 girls, the uh, the women's uh, skateboarding. I mean, basically, children competing. <laughs> the world's yeah. best are twelve and thirteen and fourteen, and they're so slick and uh, well presented, and they're they're personable, and they speak to the media in such a quality way. When I was 13 and 14 years old, I was not able <laughs> to do what they're doing. I, I am amazed by by the quality of these athletes. Really am. Yeah, I can I can confirm that's the case with Ben. Um, <laughs> what right, a flirtation so, um, of the relationship between you two. <laughs> so, um, what I'd like to. Uh, present to you both because neither of you saw this it turns out um but i encourage you to catch the video because it's quite funny and this was the uh, the media boat that blocked half the field from being able to dive into the water at the beginning of the men's triathlon now something had to go very wrong for that to be able to happen so yes maybe the media boat shouldn't have been there yes maybe it was running late Yes, maybe the athletes shouldn't have jumped in at the buzzer, uh, knowing full well that half the field might not have been going in. However, there's someone pressing a button that says go, that sounds a horn or whatever it is, a buzzer. That person got told to press the buzzer at X time and they did it <laughs> without thinking or knowing what might was about to happen. I have to say, the boat didn't half get out of the way bloody quickly. There's some speed. However, um, 10 minutes later, they started after a, a, a restart, but not before a couple of, you know, a handful of the field had done about 200 metres in the water already. So, oh. uh, yeah, <laughs> quite funny to watch. No I comment, you're flabbergasted. You. Yeah, just crazy. <laughs> Um, so if we're talking well, about terrible performances tonight eh? <laughs> what a story dan so say that again yeah, yeah. Uh, you're um, fired so, sorry terrible story uh, terrible stories terror sorry dan that was freudian <laughs> and so <laughs> so we're talking about terrible performances uh as with the media boat uh the american uh, basketball men's basketball team lost to the French team. Bit of an upset, uh, carrying on their horrendous form from the uh, exhibition games into the major tournament. So, I mean, uh, I mean, I've seen uh, you know message boards and stuff like that. Fan American fans online are going crazy. They're predicting this team won't even make the quarterfinals. So, 
um yeah it'd be an interesting thing to watch and um it'd be interesting for the americans to go out to be honest I'm sorry for all our american listeners but it's it's good to get the favorite out there and actually see some other teams step up uh ben i believe you had one candidate uh from a team that was you know a, a slightly lesser known basketball nation but he himself is kicking ass luca the man donchich I said they'd win it. I said they're going to win the gold medal. I said Slovenia are going to win it, and you went, no, they've only got one player. He's shooting like 45 points a game. He'll be fine. They'll they'll still win it. Um, <laughs> there's so much going on. Like it's, it's actually incredible how much sport there is. I mean, it kicks off again in an hour. We've got it all through the night. Wake up tomorrow morning, and as Sai said, I think he hit the nail on the head there. I didn't realize it until he said it earlier in the podcast. We're spoiled. Uh, the, the results are spoiled for us before we see the event. <laughs> mm, <laughs> we are. Yeah. I'm waking up to um, uh, news stories of events I've not seen yet, so I know what's happened before. And, and you're absolutely right. You watch the highlight and you're like, "Well, I know we're getting bronze here, so is that, yeah. that great?" I don't know, but uh, apparently we got bronze in the gymnastics, the GB mm. women, for the first time mm. in like a century. Yeah. So well done. They changed a quick one on the gymnastics. They changed the rules so every uh, it's basically a team game. Uh, they have six athletes, uh, uh, six events, and they rotate rounds. It's the rotation. Um, and in previous years, I believe you dropped the worst score of each rotation. So you always had that kind of leeway. Now every single score is counted. So if you make a mistake, your whole team is effed or you have to try and make it back. And it's been brilliant. You can see the pressure. Mm. Um, and what the gymnasts are doing blows my little mind. Yeah. Uh, and sad news that Simone Biles got an injury and had to withdraw today, which is, is always a shame. I mean, I said it's good for other nations to, to step up and, and have a, a chance of winning. But at the same time, you want to have the best competitors compete and to have to lose her i mean i don't know what the injury is hopefully it's not too serious but she had to withdraw from the event so um yeah we'll see if she comes back for the individual stuff yeah she's one of one of a handful of big names we're seeing there like you say giving the space for some others you know we've seen naomi osaka go out in the tennis um as well uh and then uh, yeah with simone biles um so it, it does it does raise prospects for other teams but um it's like you want to see these people performing at their at their best don't you mm-hmm. yeah um and as an athlete you want to be the um, best yeah i think simone biles uh there'll be some more conversation about it but i believe it looked like an ankle injury but uh mental health has been discussed or she said that that could be uh, a reason she's protecting herself so it's very unlikely we're going to see her back in the olympics i think she is 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 done for the tokyo yeah. 2020 uh which would be very sad um but i mean we've got an incredible guest coming up next week haven't we dan uh that will we'll be able to talk about the mental strengths and stress uh, stresses rather of an olympic yeah. game we will come back to that all righty then let's start to wrap up the show um simon what's um what are you most excited about looking at looking for in the olympics that's coming up what have you been waiting for that you will stay up all night and watch well, I, um, I'm going to be on holiday in the Isle of Wight, so I'm not 100% sure I'm going to have any chance to stay up into the middle of the night and watch any events. But I think I said this last week, and I, I kind of stand by it. I think as soon as the track and field stuff starts is when I really dip in. It's awesome to go and see the 
the events in the arenas and like Ben says, watched rugby sevens that none of us would ever even remotely know anything about until the Olympics comes around. But I think once track and field starts, then I'll be really invested and really looking forward, even though Great Britain don't tend to do overly well consistently in those events i think i'm just really looking forward to it uh seeing the fastest men and women alive the strongest and, and just going from there so that's that's the thing it's a copper answer but as soon as track and field starts i'm all in running jumping and throwing is uh, a joy to watch in that arena for sure ben how about you uh, more of the same with the athletics. I think uh, I said last week that we were a bit short on star power, and maybe I said that a bit hastily. Uh, we've got uh, Warholm in the 400-meter hurdles, looking to uh, continue his world record and uh, world domination. And Shelly-Ann Fraser, uh, one of the greatest Olympic athletes of all time, bidding for three straight gold medals, bidding to equal Usain Bolt and she's obviously Jamaican she's had a kid at that time so I'd be honest if she does get gold in the 200 meters I would say that's probably a bigger achievement than Usain Bolt because he didn't have a bloody kid after his second um so unbelievable um so I can't wait to see her and in general I think the atmosphere of the athletics and um when it gets into the stadium with or without the crowd um be interesting to see how that goes yeah, for sure. And and then of course we'll have the closing ceremony to look forward to as well and how that will how that will go. Um ben? I will add on the closing ceremony there. I don't know if it was news of last week, but yeah, the twenty thirty two has been awarded to Brisbane. Ah, yeah. And Dan, just to say as well, because we always ask the questions and we rarely ever reciprocate. What are you looking forward to, Dan? What's wet you what's oh. taken your fancy? Oh, thanks. What's wet your whistle? Well, uh, I'll, I'll just echo what you guys said. I'm, of course, very excited about the track and field events. Um, you know, everything from the javelin to the 100 metres, I think, and everything in between. It's an absolute joy to watch. Um, um, it, it, it is going to be weird without the crowd. And um, But I, I, I don't know. I think we can just, again, watch some. Uh, there'll be some big upsets. There'll be some big stories. There'll be some great Team GB narrative. And I'm here for it. I'm really here for yeah. it. I'm looking forward to seeing more of the fringe event. I say fringe events. They're all big events, but they become fringe events once track and field starts, don't they? Um, you know, things like the uh, earlier on, they had the archery. Like, watching archery is incredible. When do you ever watch archery outside of the Olympics? It's phenomenal. So the South Koreans who, um, they do archery in school over there. So it's a huge, um, huge event, um, huge sport in Korea. They built an exact replica of the Tokyo archery setup for in real? South Korea for their athletes to train on for the last wow. 12 months. That's some focus for you, isn't it? Did they, that's quite, that's quite something. Yeah. They blasting Saharan heat in there for them as well. Well, Saharan levels of heat. They have moved around <laughs> the finals for that. Obviously, the swimming finals have been in the morning, the heat's been in the yeah. evening, but with the athletics, we are going to get the athletics between kind of 10 a.m. and midday our time. So we're going to get the big finals at a normal hour. Yeah, great. All right. Well, um, if you want to let us know what sports you've been excited about, any stories that you've enjoyed over the last few days of the Olympics or anything you're looking forward to, do get in touch with us at Wednesday Pod. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show, share the love, like, subscribe, rate, etc. 
Well, that's all we have time for on today's show. Um, I want to give a little heads up to the next couple of weeks because we've got two, uh, well, two quite unique weeks coming up for very different reasons. Um, next week, we did allude to this in the um, uh, in the uh, on last week's show, um, but we're Ben and I uh, are going to be interviewing um, a guy called Ian Richards. Now we're so excited about this interview um, because it fits in with a lot of the stuff we've been talking about already. Um, uh, Ian Richards is an, um, a race walker. He's an uh, Olympian uh, from um, from the UK, and he was in the 1980 Moscow Olympics. And um, since then, he's just gone strength to strength to strength in his race walking career and um, was um, nominated for World Masters Athlete of the Decade uh, this year as well. So he's he's got some... Um, uh, yeah, he's he's done stuff <laughs> like a lot. Um, but what uh, we're going to talk to him about all sorts, including um, the parallels between the 1980 Olympics and the current Tokyo Olympics, um, of which there are many. And he also gave us some insight in our chat with him uh, setting up for the show around uh, the lack of crowd and what that might mean for the uh, athletes as well. So we've, of course, talked to it from a audience perspective and what that might mean for us. But actually, it's a very different uh, thought from an athlete perspective so um please do join us next week and look out for that we're uh, we're really excited about that and it'll be a great show now it's also worth noting the following week at this stage that we none of us will be here we will be pausing our weekly show i know i'm just gonna let that settle in for a bit there is a couple of big life events happening. Uh, well, I say a, a single big life event happening over the next uh, couple of weeks. So we will be taking a break for that, but we'll be back the week after. And Simon will not be here for next week, nor the week after. So this is the last time you hear Simon's voice for over a fortnight. Although, although, just to plug my own other podcast that I mentioned the other day, because um, I am getting better at self-promotion now because I plugged on one of the podcasts I did uh, with Ed the other day. We have I have a podcast, an NFL podcast, Shot Down Cover. Uh, we're doing previews of all the NFL uh, divisions at the moment. I have been busy recording, because I'm going on holiday, uh, a variety of different divisions. We've now done the... Um, AFC and NFC East. We've done the AFC North and the NFC North, and I am exceedingly tired. So I am looking forward to going to the Isle of Wight. And then, uh, yeah, but, but listen away, everybody. It's available. Shut down cover on Twitter. So you've been banking up shows for this other podcast venture. Yeah, yeah man. Interesting. Yeah, man. There's a conversation wow. to take offline here. So, um, so <laughs> um, yeah, so suffice to say, um, there's not much else going on for us at the moment other than excited about what's to come in the Olympics. Uh, we're excited about our interview next week. And uh, we're genuinely excited about having a week off because of the big event that's happening that week. Um, uh, but we will be back, of course, after that with um, looking towards the second half of the Formula One season, uh, beginning of the premiership and much more as well. Ben, you wanted to come in there? Yeah, I wanted to just say that our season one, uh, season two premiere is going to be uh, after the football season started. Football is coming back with a vengeance. Uh, but just, you know, I just want to say how excited I am to uh, for our next week's guest. What a pleasure to actually speak to an Olympian um, when an Olympics is going on. 
Yeah, deep joy. All right, so that is the end of the last Wednesday of the week on the first Wednesday of the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget to find us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, at Wednesday Pod. All that's left to say is thank you for listening. I've been Dan. I've been Simon. I've been Ben. Until next week on the last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye.